And now for something completely different. Here's what's coming up this hour on Today's Experience. It's wild and wonderful what's going to happen. We have no idea. Let's sit back and enjoy the ride. Can I get a Wowser Bowser Wednesday? Because God's in charge of this crazy bus called the Christian Journey. First, we step into territory that some would prefer we would not. Oh, yeah, like that's a surprise. But if we did uh, everything that everybody else did and everything that everybody else wanted, we really wouldn't be living for Jesus, would we? No, we wouldn't. Healing. I said it, healing. Isn't all healing in every form truly from the God of life? Of course it is. Even if the Lord doesn't get the proper honor, it's still from him. Remember the ten lepers? Ten were healed, but Jesus was only acknowledged by one. Next, when the Bible refers to the elders praying for the sick and the prayer of faith will heal the sick, we can understand that God is still in the healing business, James 5.15. Healing isn't a human show. Healing is a divine statement for the moment. What is God saying? I am here right now. That's what he says. And finally, number one, no person does the actual healing. Let's just get this straight. Just like no person does the actual saving of a soul. So the real question is whether Jesus still heals today. Yes, he does. In the spiritual, physical, emotional, and psychological realm, and in other areas as well. Does everyone always get healed? Not for Paul, not Oral Roberts, not for me, and not for you, but yes, for God. People are always healed whenever the Lord says yes. It has always been, always is, and always will be up to him. David Spoon's life has been an experience. While growing up in a Jewish family, he made a wrong turn towards drug abuse. Then David Spoon found Jesus Christ, and his life completely changed. The more he studied the gospel, the more he wanted to share his experiences with others. After 35 years of ministry, David discovered a new path of service. He joined KAAM, and this radio program began. You're about to hear the David Spoon Experience. Welcome to the David Spoon Experience, local, national, and heavenly talk. Here's what else we're looking at during the show. Lessons for surviving, living, and prevailing. Politics, entertainment, and current events. Personal revelations, spiritual observations. My life's insanities and oeve, so much more. Hey, 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 we're asking you, what do you think? You can email us, david at hemustincrease.org. That's david at hemustincrease.org. You can text us 214-210-8483. That's 214-210-8483. Or you can call us at 972-445-0770. That's 972-445-0770. And when you make that call, number one, you won't receive a shock. That's good. Then number two, you'll end up talking to Captain Chris, and then you will be... All right, now that's the purpose of these three places or three ways to outreach to us. Now, of course, you can go outside and scream as loud as you can, hey, David, hey, David, that, that, might, that might help, maybe. 
Uh, but the purpose of that is for you to be able to share, to connect. Maybe you have a question. Maybe you have a thought. Maybe you have a comment. Maybe you have something kind of going on, and you're like, you know what? I really just want to kind of share this praise report, or I really need extra people praying for me about this situation that I'm going in. Hey, we get that because the idea of the body of Christ is to strengthen and bless one another. We encourage one another daily as we see the day approaching. Here's a quick question for you. Is that day getting closer? Okay, now that you said yes, you can just (laughs) follow all the way through. And so here's what we want you to be able to do. We want you to be able to reach out, have a place. Not a place to kvetch, right? That's a little more for other things. Don't be kvetchy. Kvetchy's not great. But you still have an opportunity to share and engage with people. Here's your trivia question that will help you get a little bit of courage to call in. At what place did Peter suggest that he, James, and John should build booths for Elijah, Moses, and Jesus? What was the locale? What was the place? Where was it happening at? If you think you know the answer, you can call 972-445-0770. You can text in 214-210-8483, or you can send an email, david at hemustincrease.org. Boy, I definitely seem like I'm a little bit more on today than yesterday. So just, just think of this. If this just kept going and there was no bad weather, oh, you'd all be in trouble. Trouble. Okay, anyway, uh, so I want to talk about healing. I don't want you to get weird on me. Uh, for those that forget, I am Baptocostal. It's just as simple as you can get, okay? Spirit-led, Bible-grounded. That's kind of how we function in our mindsets. Uh, that's why it helps to have a Baptist ordination and a Pentecost ordination, but be born and raised Jewish so I can just go nanny, nanny, boo-boo and not really care what anybody says. Here's the bottom line, Exodus 15, 22 through 26 pretty cool portion. We just want to start with this. We'll go from there. Uh, In 22, it says that Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days, they traveled in the desert without finding any water. How many days did they travel without finding water? Three. How do you do when you haven't had water for a day? Not great. How about two days? Not, not great. How about three days? Now we're in trouble, right? Verse 23, when they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That's why it was called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, what what are we to drink? Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it in the water, and the water became fit to drink. And then the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them to and put them to the test. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, and if you pay attention and keep, uh, to his commandments and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Ah, just stop. Okay? In the Hebrew, that's Jehovah Rapha which means the Lord who heals. He just told you that. It's the Lord who heals you. Here's the key. It's a present tense word. Uh, okay, let's just, don't have to do deep English, but past tense is the past, future is the future, and present is the present. Okay. So if it's a present tense word and it's the Lord who heals, what's the answer to whether the Lord heals or not? I'm just like, come on, 
Okay, two plus two is four. So the idea behind that is for us to understand that, that a good name is more desirable than great riches to be esteemed better than silver and gold. Proverbs 22, 1, that's what it says. Here's the bottom line. One of God's name, one of God's name. Uh, people have said there's 16 names, 17. I saw one book said 36. I don't care. Who cares? Here's what I care about. One of the names that we're talking about right now is Jehovah Rapha. The Lord who heals. Not the Lord who healed, not the Lord who will heal, but the Lord who heals. So, you know, you've got, you know, a different group of people that are like, well, God never really named himself. It's like, okay, we'll try to read the Bible. That'd be good. Here's the bottom line. The bottom line is, does that healing always take place physically? No, but it can. I've seen more people healed emotionally and psychologically than I've seen healed physically, but I've seen all three. But I've seen more people healed spiritually than any other way. And by that, I mean this. People will go through their lives and have no awareness of the spiritual existence of things. And then what the Lord does, and when it talks about this in John 3, 3, a man must be born again, the spirit that's in the man, or in the woman, that has died because of sin from our grandmother and grandfather, that spirit that was dead to God becomes alive, and that is a spiritual rebirth, a spiritual healing. And that's what you see when you're at church, maybe it's at your church, and the people either stand in response or they come forward. The Billy Graham crusades were great because uh, people would come forward. And was everybody, like, fully genuine in there? No, but many, many, many people were absolutely fully sincere about becoming alive to Jesus Christ by believing in his death, burial, and resurrection. And were born again and became alive to spiritual truths. It's as though God grabs a person uh, and then picks them up and drops them in this pool uh, or this pool or this water, this deep water of spirituality, and all of a sudden they're alive. They're aware. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And that's what happened to you when you picked up the Bible after you got saved and you went, wow, this stuff has something to say. And it started to blow your mind. Well, that was you becoming spiritually healed. Does God heal in other capacities outside of physical, emotional, uh, psychological, spiritual? I would guess so. I guess whatever the need is, God doesn't. God isn't the one who's saying, "Well, I heal, but only in this way." Eh, it doesn't say that. You know, what if somebody has a like that emotional element where they're feeling lonely? Well, God has a cure for that. Him. What if they're spiritually de depleted? God has a cure for that. Him. What if they're emotionally depleted? God has a cure for that. Him. What if they're physically hurting? God has a cure for that. Him. He who created the body can restore the body. I would think that would make sense to most of us. Notice that we haven't had to go anywhere but this one test. It's just like, wow. Yeah, this doesn't change. This is why Peter and John, when they, in Acts chapter 3, they said to the, the people that were amazed at the healing, why are you guys amazed? You know what kind of God we serve? That doesn't get taught very often. All right, we'll take our break and come back. Uh, trivia, by the way. The trivia question was, uh, what was the trivia question? Oh, where were they? The Mount of Transfiguration.
That's where Peter, James, and John were when they said, should we build these shelters for you guys, these booths for you guys? The Mount of Transfiguration. You think Captain Chris for saving me right then and there. All right, folks, you're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. You may be from a Baptist background, a Pentecostal background, a non-denominational background, David Spoon has that too. You may be from the Church of Christ, Presbyterian, Methodist, Church of God, or some other denomination. But if you're looking for a show that's Bible-based, spirit-led, and a bit nutty, then give David a listen for a while. If you like it, great. If not, no worries. The David Spoon Experience. On God, Country, Texas, 770-KAAM. What is the David Spoon Experience? Can I blow your mind? You know, I did this with you before, but on a different text. I love this text. You will love this text because you and I are sci-fi people. You'll love this. I mean, right. this is one of those, oh, goodness gracious, that's so good. Uh, 1 Samuel 23, 10 through 12. 1 Samuel 23, 10 through 12. Okay, 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 okay. 1 Samuel 23, 10 through 12 says this, Then David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has heard for certain that Saul is seeking to come to destroy the city on my account. Will the men of Keilah surrender me into his hand? Will Saul come down just as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. Then David said, Will the men surrender me and my men to the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will surrender you. I love this portion because people, we we think in these boxes and we force God into our theology and say he must conform here, which is just insanity by itself. Here's a situation where David hears that Saul is coming down to try and get him. And he's asking, will the people of the city surrender me? I've helped them. I've defended them. I've given them some deliverance. Is is Saul going to come in and change their mind and they're going to give me up? And the Lord says, yeah, that's going to happen. Now, if you read the rest of the passage in 1 Samuel 23, David leaves. So he is not surrendered to Saul by the men of the city. But what I want you to catch is this. God knew what the outcome was going to be if David stayed and what the outcome was going to be if David left. In other words, God knew the alternate universe or the alternate pathway that was taking place. We've talked about this before. It's one of those cool thoughts where we don't think of it in these terms. But remember, David says to God, hey, uh, are they going to give me up? And the Lord's like, yeah, they're going to give you up. That's what's going to happen. So you need to make a decision and go a different direction so we can have a different outcome. And it's like God knew what the outcome was if they gave him up, and God knew what the outcome was if he left. God knew what it would be if it went if he went left or right, if we went west, east, north, or south. God knew what the outcome was going to be no matter what, because God is omniscient. He knows all things, which means he knows every alternate route. And if you can't Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. That's KAAMN 770, the truth station here in Texas. Let's get ready for our next trivia question. Again, we need the horn. And once more with the horn. That's how bad this one is. 
True or false, before Jesus chose his 12 disciples, he prayed all night in the Garden of Gethsemane. True or false, before Jesus chose his 12 disciples, he prayed all night in the Garden of Gethsemane. Mm-hmm. If you think you know the answer to that, you can call 972-445-0770. You can also text in 214-210-8483, and then you can send an email, david at org. Okay. Definitely feeling better today as each day goes by. Don't forget tomorrow we are initially planning to go by, f- by the phone Unless uh, there's, for some reason, Captain Chris can't navigate into the studio, and then we're going to have to do a replay. So this is all kind of like a, <clears throat> what is that? It's by the, <clears throat> they call it the act of God when it's an insurance, when somebody can't do anything. Something like that, right? Yeah, if I'm struck by lightning, uh, we'll have a best of tomorrow. Okay. Are you planning on getting struck by lightning or anything, just out of curiosity? Well, you never know. Okay. Depends on how cold it is, right? Okay. Here we go. All right, a uh, couple of uh, this is funny. If you if you can't if you can't laugh at some of these, remember these are not theological jokes, okay? Although many theologies are a joke, that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, here's uh, something that I thought was kind of cute. May I ask a question? Ben asked. Uh, of course, go ahead and ask the question. Replied the rabbi. Well, the Bible says the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea, continued Ben, and that the children of Israel build the temple, and that the children of Israel did this, and the children of Israel did that. Question, didn't the grown-ups ever do anything? Not bad, right? Not bad. That's all right. All right. This one, I think, is a little more unique. You have to dig on this one. That's okay. The Reverend Douglas Johnson was not the best of drivers. One Sunday, he was driving home from church when, unfortunately, he had a minor bump with a cyclist. The poor man was knocked off his bike into the ditch. The vicar naturally stopped his car, got out, and profusely apologized, and gave the cyclist his calling card, saying that if he could ever be of help, that the man should not hesitate to ask. As the mad road man rode home on his bike, he looked at the card, which says, The Reverend, Reverend Douglas Johnson is sorry that he missed you today. <laughs> see, see, that's not bad. Right? You gotta find it. <laughs> he, missed you. he just clipped you. He didn't really hit you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave those right there. <laughs> that's right. All right, trivia question is... Trivia question, true or false... Okay, true or false? Before Jesus chose his 12 disciples, he prayed all night in the Garden of Gethsemane. Hmm. Very challenging. You know, these are challenging. Have you noticed I've upped the challenge? Haven't you? I've been meaner. Oh, yeah. You're back in the saddle. Yeah. Back in the saddle again. Uh, You can call us at 972-445-0770. You can text in 214-210-8483. You can send an email, david at hemusincrease.org. Captain Chris will remind me in case I forget yet again on the trivia questions. Here we go back to the text. I want to go into Isaiah chapter 57, verse 8 through 9. The reason that I'm uh, somebody is calling in, so that's a good thing, so then you're, you're lucky because he's just ready to leap. And once I leap, I leap. And that's hard to get me out, and then I forget about trivia and all that other stuff. 
So, uh, but I will tell you that you guys are all more famous than you know because you'll all be in a doctorate. You just don't know that yet. Uh, so we have somebody who's going to be, I think, answering the trivia question. This is me stalling as I, with one eye I look at Chris and the other eye I look at my piece of paper and try and figure out what we are and or are not doing or if the person's just trying to order a pizza. Uh, the trivia question was, uh, what was the trivia question was, true or false, before Jesus told his 12 disciples he prayed all night in the Garden of Gethsemane. Here we go. Uh, it's not trivia. Okay. All right. Well, that's all right. Ready? Fire away. This is David. Who am I talking to? Hi, David. This is Annika. Hi, Annika. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing after your uh, your COVID experience? <laughs> yeah. Well, after the COVID experience, I'm doing. I was doing great, especially the first three or four days. And then just before I came back, uh, I was planning on coming back on Monday. On Saturday night, I got an eye infection. Now that's all gone. <laughs> And I'm just like, all right, Lord, I'm just going to keep going forward. So my answer to you is I am doing fantastic. That's how Yay. I'm doing. That's how well, I'm doing. I have something that's been on my mind that I wanted to bring up uh, related to the healing topic sure. that you're on. Um, so what it is is I've got several biblical premises, and then I'll ask my question at the end. You got it. Okay? Yep. Okay, so um, it says in the Bible, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. And that's repeated twice. I think that's in Corinthians. Mm -hmm. And then it says, um, well, this is applied in a sense, but as one is in the small, so they are in the large. And that was kind of played out when it was talking about handling money uh, for another Okay. Then the way, okay, and then the way of the world is wide, but God's path is narrow. Okay. So, such that since everything in the world is the wide path and the path of God is narrow, such that every if everyone is doing something, then it's probably best not to do it because that's probably an indicator that it's not of God. Because if everyone's doing it, that seems a really wide path. So, and if my body is the temple of the Lord, and all of this is a battle for the mind, and it's proven that sugar feeds yeast and bacteria and cancer and diabetes, uh, and diabetes destroys vision and causes nerve damage, and sugar also destroys the body's hardest substance at its entry into the body, the tooth enamel then doesn't it follow that one has to wonder what further havoc that sugar's wreaking inside the body, sight unseen, such that, let me get to this. <laughs> so, yes, God can and does heal, but don't I have a responsibility to him to practice my self-control, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, um, I have a responsibility to God to practice my self-control over the welfare of my body. And interestingly enough, in the message paraphrase, it said, watch out for the Esau syndrome, trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. So if you can kind of address our responsibility to what you know, I, I think a lot of is is self-inflicted, because I I have uh, struggled with this for decades, and am finally getting uh, the upper hand on my 
self-control through the spirit. Got it. Because because that that was Annika was on the throne, and now it's like no, enough of that. You know, I want God on the throne. And if God's on the throne, he's going to respect his temple for his Holy Spirit in me. So what are your thoughts? <laughs> okay, so that's those are, first of all, it's a great observation. You took the different passages and you kind of put them together, and you're looking at them as kind of all lined up, and there's a couple of different things. In regards to the narrow path and the large path, you could even go a little deeper than that just by saying this Old Testament scripture says, thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. So there's uh, there's definitely a premise that says, look, there's a path to go and a path not to go, but that path on doing evil and the narrow path and the wide path, that have to do with roads to salvation. That has to do with eternal life and in, in hanging with God. You, I understand we want to apply it in different arenas, but in its context, what it's talking about is, is pathways, people that, that go, people the, who embrace Christianity, but then embrace hedonism and embrace everything else. And they're like, well, I'm on this big path. I can make this. And it's like, that's not how that's going to work. It's going to be a very specific, very narrow path. And it's going to be the path of Jesus Christ, period. And that's the pathway to life. Okay. that. So even though you're applying in that that way, I would say the first context is definitely going to be salvation. Where you really do shine in that is your comment that all things are are permissible, not necessarily that they're good for you, but they're permissible. And then how do you respond to that between the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is your body, and everything else that's going on in the world? And that's a really, I think that's the, that would be what I would tell you to highlight in your in your questioning because that's saying look my body is the temple of the holy spirit what i allow in does matter what you do feed the body does matter there is a difference though at to which each person is called and the the problem for a lot of christianity is the the mindset of one size fits all in regards to the application not in regards to redemption not in regards to salvation but in the application some people have an incredible gift of a body that they can eat literally rubbish and live to 110. And it's just like, mm-hmm. it makes no sense at all, but it's, it's, you know, it's kind of how, but it shows you a little bit of an individualistic process there. A person should not ever be mastered. And that's where that thing about all things permissible, they shouldn't be mastered by something. So uh, whether it's food, whether it's sexual appetite, or whether it's anything else, it should not own them ever because their owner is Christ and they are the temple of the body, or the, the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And in context, that had to do with prostitution with, with, with uh, temple goddesses, just so you can know. I'm just kind of giving you the, the background. So the question is, can you eat food? Can you eat fast food? Can you eat these different foods? And is that healthy for you? No, it's not healthy for you. Yes, you are doing self-inflicted damage. No, you're not going to go to hell for it, but you'll pay for it because no matter what you put in, it's going to become a part of it. But the process of being thankful for whatever you receive overrides everything, doesn't cleanse everything. It just overrides it when you receive whatever you receive with Thanksgiving. There's a different spirit attached to it than when you eat in defiance. And if I, by explaining that, people eat 
in uh, frustration or defiance or people just eat because they're starving and they don't have any money and they can only afford the little bit. I don't think a person who needs to survive on whatever they can survive on is going to be in this negative category with God. I think somebody who abuses their body is going to create their own self-problems. So there's, to me, just like for the rich man that Jesus said, sell all the goods that you have, give your money to the poor, come follow me. He didn't give that command to every single person. Every single person should be willing to do that, but he didn't give that command to every single person. So to me, there's going to be a little bit of an individualistic flavor there that says some people are going to be you know, more geared this way and that way. It is true that society has produced incredibly delicious but dangerous foods. And one of those foods, I would actually say, is recreational drugs. That's a food in many ways, and people consume it. And to me, that's a pathway to opening up to Satan. The idea behind it is if the Holy Spirit is convicting you, you must respond. That's that's where the, the, the central truth lies. If the Holy Spirit says to Annika, you can't eat that, then you don't eat that. There right, was... and, and also you, you kind of touched on it a little bit just now where um, at least that's the way I interpreted part of what you were saying is that it also talks about if it's sin for you, you need to listen and obey as long as it's today because um, otherwise it's training one not to – sorry, sorry i got to change phones because I'm thinking I'm dying. That's okay. You um, train – are you there? Yep, still here. Okay. It <laughs> trains you, like, for instance, I had a craving for a certain kind of ice cream, and I kept having this one voice go, no, you shouldn't do that, and the other saying, oh, what's the harm? And what I did come to find was it was training me to ignore the small, still voice. Whether I was supposed to eat the ice cream or not, I was learning to not pay attention to when I'm being told not to do something. And so I think it was making it where in other areas of my life I wouldn't be as um, attentive to acting immediately on that still small voice where it may save my life or some other, you know, leading that it would give me. But by listening to it in the ice cream, it was like, well, I was better off without it. And, you know, I did, you know, after like, you know, six months off of it, I got a leading that said you can have it. And there wasn't that yo-yo back and forth with the other voice. And I was like, okay, I'll have it this one time. And I had it. And then that's it. And then it's like, okay, I don't need to do that anymore. But I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say it was teaching me that on these small things yeah. to, you know, listen and immediately obey. And if I was in error about not eating it, well, better in error on that than when something real um, and serious comes up and I have taught myself just to ignore that voice, then, you know, something awful happened because 
I wasn't in tune with the voice of the spirit in me. Yes, and that and that's talking about whether or not we're responsive to when the Lord is speaking to us on those small things, and it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. That's what the Scripture says, and so when you don't watch those little things, they creep in and become little little strongholds, and a little stronghold only has one direction to go, and that's up. So it goes a little stronghold to a bigger stronghold. So it's good that you're responsive to that, and what's important is to understand that in one group of people, like the Nazarene vow, you couldn't drink wine, that was the vow, so on and so forth. But that, that vow was and given to everybody. That's why we've got to be supportive of one another, careful for one another, but not legalistic towards one another. In other words, if exactly, you, yeah. you, your position is like, look, I got to be really careful about that stuff. And and people around you should go, we'll help you. Okay. By consequently, they should not have that on them unless the Lord puts that on them. So that's that liberty, and that's where the Lord's dealing with people individually. And that's what I mean by for an individual, some people can they can eat ice cream, you know, not 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 be an issue. I'm just using that as an example. Some people will get into it and can't get out of it. And that's a truth. I mean, that's truth with alcohol. That's truth with drugs. That's truth with uh, everything and anything in life. Some people do that with sex. The bottom line is don't let anything in your life become a master or have mastery over you, even if it's in the realm of permissible. And if it's that important, then eradicate it. Do whatever is necessary to step away from that, small, medium, or large, because you don't want to get plastered out by the large things that just kind of make you, you know, literally abandon the faith. The idea behind that would be to be very careful not to be legalistic and not to put that on anybody. And that's one of the things that is important. I think it's fantastic that you do that. And I not only support you, but I actually will be able to pray better for you knowing that those are the processes the Lord has you going through. I'm not going to pray that for the person next to you unless they're going through that same thing too. And that's what you do is you set up with one another, stand with one another, support one another. I think personally it's fantastic for you. Uh, I wish I was as disciplined as you were in some of those realms. <laughs> well, it's taken it's taken decades, but um, it it's well worth it because I— you know, I recited in the morning, every morning, that God's renewing my youth as the eagle. And, you know, there are things that children do that, you know, are not in pain, which the sugar causes pain. And um, there aren't gray hairs, even though it talks about that's uh, a crown on the head of the elderly. But I just say, you know what? Youth is not known by white hair. I refuse to let you grow in my head white. <laughs> <laughs> See, now if you're like me, you get to shave. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but well, the, that might be my next thing. <laughs> well, the disadvantage to that is of when when you know, the scripture says, you know, he knows the number of your hairs. Your mind's zero. I mean, that doesn't. It's like, <laughs> like, well, like that's not a lot of count. Thank you so much for clarifying that. <laughs> You're more than welcome. You are always welcome to call and ask any questions along those lines. Okay. Okay. Thanks so much. All right. God bless you. Bye bye. And Bye-bye. God bless. Okay. What a great call. We'll just stay in. There's no point to pop out and people are thinking, well, do you need a rest? Well, I, I've needed a rest long before I became a Christian. I just want to point that out to you. I will say, uh, uh, good job. We still have the trivia question, so we still need to have this uh, answered. We have had some people uh, respond via the text, but we're still going to offer the question up because I want to see if we can get an answer. True or false, right? Before Jesus chose his 12 disciples, he prayed all night— in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
true or false? If you think you know the answer to that, you can call in 972-445-0770. You can text in 214-210-8483. You can send an email, david at hemustincrease.org. Now, I also want to send you to the website. Before I send you to the website, I'm going to keep it really simple and really easy for you. We need financial help. Yay! Here it is. We got uh, Valentine's Day, so before anybody goes, oh, that's a whole thing made up by uh, greeting cards. My wife works at a flower shop, not really looking to hear it, okay? So this is her big time of year. Don't really care. Just keep it on that. But uh, if you've got any love, little financial love you want to send our way, we say yes. <laughs> we say okie dokie. Go to, and then if you have prayer requests or praise reports, please don't hesitate. That's the, the main thing about it. Go to hemustincrease.org. Prayer request? HeMustIncrease.org Praise report? HeMustIncrease.org Looking to give to this ministry? HeMustIncrease.org Confused by what's happening right now? HeMustIncrease.org HeMustIncrease.org There you go. <laughs> Just jumping off that... <laughs> okay. All right, let me uh, do this text here. I'm going to keep on this text. We're going to stay on the same place that we're at. I will do, uh, I guess we're only going to have time to do, I'll wait on the comedy part of it. We'll do the history the next segment because I want to get this in. So what's really good is I feel so good. I just feel like I can keep going, which does mean I must have gotten a lot of rest. Okay. Except for, I do. I will tell you this real quickly. I got home yesterday. Uh, you know, it was the first time being back for a little while. It takes a little bit. And then I got into the house, and then the dogs were all excited, and I threw the ball. And then poor little Bert uh, hurt his foot, like he cut his foot on something. He didn't pay any attention to it, but I did when he walked in the house and was dragging uh, little spots of blood all over. And then when I went to get him, you know where he went? On our bed. You want to talk about a third tongue? There you go. Okay. You get it? Okay. Uh, he's fine. But boy, that was great when he walked across our pillows. Hey, hey, look at that. Hey, hey, look at that. He's a painter. It's like Pollock is out here on my pillow. Uh, all right, let's get back to the text real quickly. And this is Isaiah 57, 18 through 19. We're still talking about healing. I have seen their ways, but I will heal them. I will guide them and restore comfort to Israel's mourners, creating praise on their lips Peace, peace to those far and near, says the Lord. I will heal them. But the wicked are like the tossing sea, which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire and mud. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Okay. You think a text like this is just, well, that's just, you know, wicked, good people, bad people. Here's Isaiah 57, 18. I've seen their ways. And actually, using what Attica said, the Lord knows. And some of us have done stupid things. Let's just, I mean, there's no point in arguing about that. We've done stupid things. But the Lord says, but I will heal them. Okay. That doesn't mean you take abuse of that or take advantage of that. It's not greasy grace, and it's not, uh, it's not greasy healing either. But he says, I will guide them and restore comfort to Israel's mourners, creating praise on their lips. If you're trying to figure out the reason that the Lord does what he does for us, a lot of it has to do with us understanding his love for us, and that response to his love is praise on our lips. And it's one of those things that people are— you're not always associating with, it's like the appreciation is a big part of the economy of God. 
And so whether you're a person who's struggling with A, B, C, D, or E, and you need help and you need healing in it, a big part of this is what your lips do in regards to the process. And the Lord says, peace, peace to those far and near, and I will heal them. And the Lord is making a declaration. Here it is in Isaiah. And you guys already know that, you know, from the framework of Scripture, it, it kind of is pretty re re repetitive about the what we would call the gracelets of God where he does healing. But you don't want to be self-abusing and then go, oh, I'll just count on the healing of God. That's just dumb. Okay, there's no, no theology term for that. People say, well, that's theological. Okay, it's dumb. That's what it is. But there's a commitment from the Lord to help us. And the reason is we need help. See, even though our sins are forgiven, in James it talks about being healed from our sins. Not the, It's not the penalty, it's just the results. Because when we sin, we don't help ourselves. And God will heal us in that. He heals us physically, emotionally psychologically, spiritually. Let me tell you another. You want to know another way that God heals? Relationally. People don't think about it. It's like, you know, people have had distant relationships, you know, cracks, all that kind of thing, for a year, not even for a, a year, years and years. And the healing balm of God will bring restoration. That's a healing in relationship. Do you know I pray for that every day for people in our, in our audience? That there'll be relationship healing. Why? Because it's a part of life. And then there's some people that have been burned by a church, and they don't want a fellowship. And it's like, I'm praying for that, because that disadvantage—I understand they, get, they might get fellowship through a show like this, but the disadvantage is not having people see you, touch you, connect you. That's, it's part of life. It's a strength that God gives us. Pray for that healing. And every other form. Some people need financial healing, and let's just be honest. It's true. I mean, it's one thing that's good is that I'm, I'm not a good financial guy. <laughs> and I'm cheap. That's helpful. <laughs> As Chris will attest to, I wear T-shirts all year long, <laughs> like even now. Here's the bottom line. The Lord wants to heal. He likes to heal. He doesn't like the show. Jesus did it as a demonstration of his authority and power as the Messiah. But you're never going to get to anywhere until you start to recognize that God likes to bless his kids. And that's who you are. You're one of his kids. Likes to heal them because he loves them. All right, the trivia, which we've never answered, which we will answer, is the answer is false. It was not in the Garden of Gethsemane that that took place, but he went out to a mountain to pray, and that's when he made the decision on who to have hang out with him closer than the others. All right, we'll take a break and then we'll come back. You're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. Don't go anywhere. This KAAM radio show with your very own David Spoon is not a business but a nonprofit ministry first and foremost committed to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and strategically equipping the saints. Our mission is to educate, encourage, and entertain Christian believers, the hurting, and those not yet believers who need biblical truths. To continue our radio ministry and message of truth, we need many of our faithful listeners to support us 
as well as ministry partners who might wish to sponsor the He Must Increase ministry. By giving, you wonderfully facilitate our priorities of assertively teaching the Word of God, and you get nothing in return. No quid pro quo. Nothing but a receipt at year end indicating you gave to us since your donation is 100% tax deductible. Remember that it says in Corinthians that whoever sows generously will also reap generously, or in Proverbs where it teaches that a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. But if you cannot give, no problem. Continue to enjoy and learn and give however you see fit whenever you can. To support us, go to hemustincrease.org. That's hemustincrease.org. Such support is terribly appreciated, knowing it enables our beloved David Spoon to give to all of us his time, energy, like so few can, right here on KAAM. What is the David Spoon experience? My guest on the phone today is absolutely no exception and is one of the top tiers. Uh, I want to say welcome to Dr. David Jeremiah from Turning Point. Dr. Jeremiah, welcome to the show. Thank you. I, to be with you. It's great to have you on the show. I was doing a little bit of research, and I just wanted to ask you, because I want to talk about the new book, and I want to talk about the study Bible you just released and Turning Point, but I was going over some of the materials you've done, and I, and I, on my list I have that you've done at this point, and if I'm wrong, correct me, uh, at least 53 books with three New York Times bestsellers and one about to be a fourth New York Times bestseller, 100 Bible study guides, and you sold more than 4 million books. Is that right? Well, you know more about that than I do, but that sounds that sounds probably about right. Yeah, that is absolutely amazing. So everybody who's uh, listening to this uh, uh, broadcast right now certainly, I'm sure, wants to send out their appreciation for you taking the time and committing yourself to this process. I was uh, going through your background, and and as I was reading it, I understand that you actually accepted the Lord as your uh, Savior when you were 14. Is that right? That's about right. Yeah, that's about how old I was. Yeah. So you were you were young when you came into the faith. Actually, I I really had a head start in many respects because I was born into the family of a pastor, and I heard the gospel many many times and probably had some preliminary experiences before I truly understood it for myself at that age. <clears throat> so I was blessed to be brought up in a Christian home with with the message of the gospel very very familiar to me. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the Truth Station here in Texas. That's KAAM 770, the Truth Station here in Texas. We're going to take a quick break and pray for my daughter. They're going to head into the hospital with Easton right now. She just texted me, so I just want everybody to pray. Exactly what we've been talking about is healing and prayer, and it's, it's, it's like we're going to ask the Lord to help. I mean, why would you not do that. Does that mean if he does better that, you know, we yield him? No, that's good. You know, it's us asking God to be sovereign over life. That's all. So let's pray. Father, we come before you right now in the name of Jesus and with the help of the Holy Spirit. And we just pray for Julianne and Jared and Isaiah and uh, Adibug and for Easton Scott. And we lift up Easton Scott to you and we just ask that you would touch his body by your grace and by your mercy. We ask you to re just give him such a resurgence uh, of physical healing right now and that his parents, my daughter, your daughter, 
and my son-in-law and your son that they would not have any fear but have confidence in your faithfulness and that you, by your grace, would raise up Easton so he would be well. We're not going to stop petitioning. We're not going to stop praying. We're going to continually believe and ask for your graciousness to be poured into his little body. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Okay, so why we do that is because we believe that God will respond, and that he does respond. Does he always respond? We already know the answer is no, he doesn't always respond. But do you stop asking? It's, it's this simple uh, that I want to say it this way. If you witness to somebody and they don't get saved— do you stop witnessing? Do you stop witnessing to them or to anybody else? Of course not. We've got eternity on the line here. We don't do it that way. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, in lieu of all that, I want to make sure that you understand the question. I want us to kind of understand what's being said and what's being taught throughout the, the passage of Scripture. The idea to, is for us to grasp that Jesus still touches people, still reaches into people's lives, into their hearts, and gives them a healing in various different ways. And one of the things that we know in Scripture is what it says about Jesus. Listen to what, listen to what this says. This is kind of one of those cool things uh, to understand. Acts chapter 10, verse 34 through 38. Peter began to speak, I now realize how true it is that God shows no favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judah, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all that were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Okay? And you can't just take this one text and you got to put all the texts together, right? Jesus did good to the people in ministry. And so here's a simple question from a ministerial point of view. Does Jesus still do good? Yes or no? Does, does he still do? Of course he still does good. Of course he still ministers. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is entirely the continuation of the ministry of Jesus Christ. Entirely. And it's going to be so until the Lord Jesus returns. And then there's eschatological questions to the last, you know, so many years, whatever. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that the Holy Spirit carries on the ministry of Jesus Christ. Part of the ministry of Jesus Christ was doing good and healing people. Okay. Does that mean that any one person has some unique? No, no person has ever healed anybody ever. Even if they've used medicine, even the medicine was given by God because all of those medicines came from God's earth. People don't just go like this, and they're healed. It's like, come on. You guys know better than that. That's just not how it operates. And what we need to understand is that we are ministers of the gospel to bring the kingdom of God. Now, here's, I just, I'm going to read this portion, and you think, well, you, you just pray for Easter, and what's going to happen? I don't know. I'm going to hope and pray and hope and pray and driving home and hope we have a fantastic report. Believe God, praise him, trust him. But listen to what Jesus says. Listen to what our position is. Luke chapter 10, verse 1 through 9. After this, the Lord anointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go. 
I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals. Do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you for the worker deserves his, worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. That's the message Jesus gave to the, to the disciples as he anointed the 72. And there's some people that think, well, that only applies to the 72. Well, if that only applies to the 72, then the Great Commission only applies to the 12. That's how dumb that is. You can't say that. It applies to everybody. The commission's for us. This is another part of the commission. There's five other commissions as far as that goes. People are like, you say the word dumb a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't like say ignoramo, <laughs> so I'm just going dumb. Anyhow, the idea behind that is that's part of the process, and then you go forward and you do that. And does it always work? It has not for me, and I know some people have a much better record at it than me, but I, I've seen some things that I just I don't even sure I could share on the air. I could, but not today. The idea behind this is that God does miraculous things all the time, and I still maintain that when a person says yes to Jesus Christ, it is the greatest healing of all, and it happens every single day, all over the world. That's what happens. So we pray, we persist, we ask, we believe, we trust, we fight, we battle, we do all of it. Because that's what the Lord called us to. And you look at the Gospels, that's three years that are really examined more closely than the rest. I mean, it covers more than three years, but it's three years of examination. Some of you are like me, you've been Christians for 20, 30, 40 years. You know how this works. You know that you fight through. You know that daily you pick up, you put on your warfare material, you put on your warfare clothing, and you go. And you do. And you occupy until he comes. And what's awesome about the Lord is that he, he wants us to have that faith. He wants us to believe. Very truly I tell you, John 14, 12 through uh, 14. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing. They'll do even greater works because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now that anything is, of course, according to what the Spirit would lead, not according to your flesh. Okay? But those are things that never should have to really be said, but maybe they do. And we have to ask in Jesus' name, and then it gets done to glorify Jesus Christ, because we ask in his name. And we petition and we believe. Some of you have strong needs for healing in certain realms, not always physical. Some of you have had some abuse take place to you. Some of you have had uh, horrible things spoken to you and done to you. And they, those, those pains, they linger with you. There's healing in the Lord. There's grace in God. And it doesn't matter what another person has said or done in regards to how much greater the healing power of God is is the Lord can make you and often makes you new 
I love Revelation 21.5. I make all things new. It's like, yay. Yay. Why? Because sometimes you just need new. I need new. That's enough. I mean, I keep thinking about, and I know I'm using this as an illustration. Maybe you can appreciate it. Last four and a half months have been quite the challenge, <laughs> right? Quite the challenge. But I can sense the strength returning. I can sense the power coming back. And I'm sure that the enemy will throw something else in our direction and do something. But you know what? There's a newness. There's a freshness. And in your life where you've been pained and hurt, there is a place for you to find redemption and freedom. It is through Jesus Christ, and it is by the grace and love of God. That's where it is. So I want you to stand firm in that, okay? Stand firm in that. Did we do a trivia question? I don't remember if we did one. Did we do one? I can't even remember. Did we do it? I can't remember. Did anybody say anything? No. Okay. Doesn't look like it. Well, the trivia question would have been, what food did John the Baptist eat in the desert? <laughs> we yeah, no, we didn't do that. Uh, we didn't do that one. Like, well, the answer would have been, that's the locust and honey. Well, locust and honey. But we didn't do that one. So you don't have to answer that trivia question. See how sharp we are? You can't get by us, man. No. Right back in the swing of things. Yeah. Now it's like a normal show. <laughs> All right. You remember some of these things. You hang on to them. What the Lord puts into your heart to hold on to, you don't let anybody take away from you. Okay? And you need to be blessed. Be praying for people for safety as this uh, tra- this weather is going to really wreak havoc with traffic. Okay? All right. You've been listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Taking a short break, we hope, 22 and a half hours, and we'll be back live on the phone. Talk to you then. The views expressed on the preceding program were those of the speakers and not necessarily those of KAAM, DJRD Broadcasting, or its sponsors.